Thanks for joining us today on the LaunchPoint Church Podcast. We believe the Bible is the written Word of God, without error and useful for every part of our daily lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the Word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. For more information about our ministry, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube, as well as visit our website at www.launchpoint.church. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy the message. About Out of Romans chapter 9, verse 20. I'm going to talk to you about the potter today. The master potter. You know, we don't, normally we view ourselves as men and women, successful, unsuccessful, rich, poor, black, white, red, yellow, male, female, educated, not educated, white collar, blue collar, street corner, I mean, all the different levels of, we, we identify ourselves, we really need to say, he is the potter, we are the clay, and we need to stop fighting with God about what he made us to be. Romans chapter 9 verse 20 says, on the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this? Will it? We live in a generation that people think they have the right to identify. I identify as an illegal immigrant so I can get some money. I identify as African American so I can get reparations. I identify as a woman so people will have mercy on me. And I identify as a police officer so I can speed. You, you, the potter made you. You don't get to be something he didn't make you to be except in your own imagination and in our crazy world. We live in a time that people are losing their minds because they believe they can talk back to God. God didn't make a mistake. Or does not the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, that's you and I, which he prepared before and for glory, even us, whom he also called, not from among the Jews, but also from among the Gentiles. Have you, have you really thought about the Bible, what the Bible says, that while you were in your mother's womb, God carefully and complexly made you. He gave you gifts and talents from prophecy in the book of Romans all the way to the gift of mercy, and that's personality traits and administration and teaching and encouragement and, and, and all those things. He, he gave you gifts and talents so you could accomplish his purpose, and someday you're going to stand at the throne of God and look God in the face, and he's going to say, I was very careful to make you for this purpose. And if you didn't achieve that purpose, you're not going to hear well done. Grace is grace. It's not a salvation issue. It's a reward issue and a blessing issue at the throne of God. Did you fulfill the will of God, His purpose that He made you, using the talents He gave you? Did you sharpen your skills? You know, if you're a teacher, you need to be teaching at a different level. If you're an encourager, you just need to be Joel Osteen. If Joel Osteen corrected you, you'd feel good about it. 
If you're an administrator, you show up early and make sure everything's done. If you're a person that has mercy, you spend the rest of your life crying with everybody. It's the worst gift in the whole gifting. <laughs> but how many of us need mercy? Uh uh-huh. God knew. You know, the Bible is a book about broken lives. It's not a book about perfect people. It's people that had feet of clay, people that had lives that went astray, people that had things that happened to them. And, and the Japanese art of kintsugi, I heard my friend Chris Foster talk about this, is when those expensive vases are broken and the Japanese art puts them back together, they fill in the cracks, not with super glue, but with gold. And so when you look at the repaired vessel, it's much more beautiful than the original vessel, and it's much more valuable. When the, poster, the, when the potter takes a pot that has been crushed and puts it back together, it has more value. When Jesus came into your broken life and fixes it, it has more value. When you have had a brokenness on this side of the cross and God fixes it again, it has more value. Every time the potter puts his hands on your life, you have greater value in the kingdom of God. In light of what we used to treasure before we came to Jesus, we now look at what we used to treasure as trash. I pursued everything in the world that was wrong, and I thought that was my goal. I got to be in the club. I got to go dancing. Got to have a drink. Got to chase chicks. I need to make sure my language is right up there with the rest of the cussers. And when I got saved, everything I thought was cool was corruption. Because the potter said, all you did was break yourself. You destroyed what I made. Jesus didn't bless the loaves and the fishes until they were broken. You say, I want God to bless me. Put yourself on the potter's wheel. You know, why do people get broken? Different reasons. How about old Job in your Bible? Satan's walking around. God says, Satan, where you been? He said, I've been down there on the earth. He was digging at God. You know, you're the God of the universe, but that's my world. I'm the God of that world. And God looked at him and said, oh, you don't get to dig me. I'm going to dig you. What do you think about my servant Job? That's why you want to keep a little sin in your life. That's why you spent money at Starbucks to support all the liberal agendas at Starbucks. Sin. She did too. Is Is that not human nature? I've been harassing Holly for years about Starbucks. And I tell her that, and she goes, she did too. I wasn't ever worried about either one of y'all being perfect. Why do bad things happen to good people? Do you ever ask yourself that question? If you're doing good and you're doing right and you're living righteously, why do bad things happen? And God said, look at my servant Job. And Satan said, well, you've got a hedge around him. You know what? Thank God for a hedge. What do we pray? We pray a hedge around our marriage. We pray a hedge around our life. We pray a hedge around our church. We pray a hedge around our family. Thank God for the hedge. that Some some people say, well, you know what? I'm just here today. No, you may need to understand the hedge is around you, and because the hedge is around you, you don't have a cancer diagnosis. You don't have a heart disease diagnosis. You don't have lack of food in your house. You don't have lack of cognitive thought at this moment. You're restored so you can think and be in church today rather than dying in that hospital. God put a hedge around us. Some of us need to begin to be grateful and thank God and praise God for the hedge around us and the bad things that don't happen to us. 
Instead of focusing on, well, this happened and that happened and I wasn't doing anything wrong and I got a ticket, let me help you. I never got a ticket that I wasn't doing anything wrong. Now, I'm traumatized by a traumatized world. He was doing 75 and a 55. Okay. What's wrong with that? You ought to raise the speed limit. If you change the speed limit, I wouldn't get a ticket. If I didn't think I could drive 75 on this road, I wouldn't be driving 75. I'm a grown man. But you know what? There's a limit, and all authority is established by God. So if you're going to do the crime, you've got to pay the fine. But you need to thank God there's a hedge around you. See, life's not all honeys. It comes with bees. I just want honey. It's got bees. So even when you're eating the sweet, there's going to be some sting. So there you are in the first chapter of the Bible, and God takes the hedge off Job. And, man, things begin to go wrong. Things go horribly wrong. Job has not done anything. Listen to me. You say, well, I don't know what he did for that to be happening to him. Sometimes you're broken because of righteousness. Job chapter 1, verse 13. Now on the day when his sons and his daughters were eating, drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job. The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabians came and attacked and took them. He had 500 yoke of donkeys. That's like 500 tractors. This man had some land. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and they've escaped, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Now I want you to listen to this. Bad news. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, here it goes again. Another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died, and alone I've escaped to tell you. I want you to listen to what happened. He's getting a bad message, and while he's getting that message, another person shows up, and while he's getting that message, another person shows up, and while he's getting that message, the last person shows up and says, Not only have you lost lost everything. Now you've lost your family. It's all gone. And you and I would say, God, this is not fair. I didn't do anything. We would go into all kinds of emotional falling apart and fragmenting. The Bible says Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground and worshiped. Felt, you say, I came in here broken today. Did you worship? Or did you sit there thinking, well, I wish that, you know, they're all talking about good things, but my life's not good. Your spiritual character is revealed in your troubled times. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In other words, I, I don't understand this. My heart is broken. He had all the emotions you and I would have, but there was something in him that said, I don't care. God was God before this happened. He's God while it's happening. He'll be God after it's happening, and I'm going to bet on God. When you're going through things, we need people. I don't want to minimize the fact that we don't need anybody. When I've gone through things, I've called Terry and Samily. I've called Pastor Jim and Angela. I've called pastors. 
and said, I don't understand this. This is not fair. It's not right. It's not just. But you know what? Life's not fair. If life was fair, I'd be tall like Daniel. And I'd have hair like you. Uh huh. I'd be able to write songs like Bill Wolfenberger. You ain't got nothing for me. I can't. I anything, nothing more. I try to put you in there, Holly, but it won't work. <laughs> no, I don't want to drink Starbucks. I drink black coffee. If I wanted a milkshake, I'd go to Dairy Queen. While he was still speaking, you say, "What happened to him?" Righteousness. The world hates righteousness. You don't drink. Oh, you're judging us. No, I, I didn't say one thing. I just ordered water. Well, you believe Jesus is on the way to heaven. I know it. That's what he said. And if you think you're smarter than Jesus, you're the stupidest person on earth. I'm not going to compromise the word of God. The Bible says there's only one way to heaven. Every Muslim you know is lost and headed to hell. Every Buddhist you know is lost and headed to hell. You know what? We can't play with these things that these are noble. They're not noble religions because they rob people of their eternal destiny because God made us to be in His relationship through a blood-bought experience with His Son. It doesn't mean we think every person in that religion is an evil person. They just have to be born again to go to heaven. There's only one way. And when you say that anymore, you're bigoted, you're, you're a xenophobe, you're a this, you're a that. No, what I am is a proclaimer of the only truth that will make a difference. How about Jacob? If Joseph was broken for righteousness, Jacob, <laughs> your son, Jacob was broken for wretchedness. Most of you know the story of Esau and Jacob, how they were twins in the womb. They were womb mates. And as they were growing up, Jacob was always trying to replace Esau, and as he was trying to replace Esau, uh, things didn't go right. You know, and he, he looked at Esau, and he said, this is not right because you came out of the womb first. You're the older brother, which means you get all of dad's money. You get all the stuff, and I get a little bit, and that's not right. And so Esau wasn't who he was supposed to be, and Jacob began to trick him because Esau had favor, and favor is not fair. You say, it's just not fair that that person got that job. It's not fair that they got that girl. It's not fair that they got them. It's not fair that they got that. Favor's not fair. But favor will take you where talent won't. Esau, he was a man's man. He was a Duck Dynasty guy. Jacob was all the days of our lives. Esau was a hairy hunter. Jacob was a homemaker and a cook. He was a mama's boy. His very name means deceiver. Can you imagine introducing your son? This is John. This is George. This is my daughter Jane. And this is our baby little bald-faced liar. He's just a little bald-faced liar. That's who he is. He, he can't tell the truth. He's not ever going to tell the truth. He's our little bald-faced liar. Sorry about that, guys. And Jacob lived up to his name. He deceived and deceived and deceived. And when he robbed his brother of the blessing, he stole his brother's blessing. He not only sold, took his birthright for a pot of porridge, he had his mother help deceive her dad. Women, ladies, gentlemen, listen, women are dangerous. <laughs> she helped him put hair on his 
skin, so when his dad felt him, he thought it was Esau. See, they recognized manliness by men that didn't shave their chest. All this grooming with men, it's like, God made you to be hairy. Stop it. Let it grow, unless it's in your ears. Yeah. And Esau said, I'm going to kill you. You took my, you took my birthright. Now you took the blessing. I'm going to kill you. And Jacob was a believer in the prophet Kenny Rogers. And he quoted the verse, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. I'm out of here. And he took off, and he ran and ran and ran until he began to have an encounter with God. And on the journey, he had a dream with God. In Genesis chapter 28, the Lord God began to speak to him. And at the verse 17, he said, he was afraid and said, how awesome in this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Joseph, uh, Jacob knows he's had an encounter with God. He knows this is a holy place. But in verse 20 of Genesis 28, he made a vow saying, if God be with me and if God will keep me on the journey and if God will give me food to eat and if God will give me garments to wear, garments to wear and if God will return me to my father's house in safety, then the Lord be my God. Now, I want you to listen. He had an encounter with God, but he wanted a transaction relationship rather than a transformational experience. He wanted God to negotiate with him. God, if you do this, I'll make you my God. And God is not asking to be transactional with you. He's asking to be Lord of your life where you surrender to whatever God wants. He wants to make you his legal tender, not his negotiator. We're not here to negotiate with God. We're the dollar bill in God's hand. Remember when the apostle uh, Peter asked Jesus, should we pay our taxes? And he showed him a denarius, and he said, whose inscription's on it? He said, the likeness of Caesar. He said, then render to Caesar the things of Caesar, but you've been made in the image of God. Render to God the things of God. Our lives are not our own. We're God's legal tender to be spent the way God wants to spend us. We don't get to choose our calling. We don't get to choose our talent. We don't get to choose our purpose. We choose our Lord. He had an encounter with God that shook him up. It didn't shape him up. Man, I've seen people go to the altar and they're shaking. But when they walked out the door, they didn't shape up. Well, I went to the altar and I prayed the prayer. Well, you better walk the walk or shut your mouth. The greatest damage to the church today is people that go to church that aren't part of the church. Well, I go to a church, the pastor makes me feel good. Then you need to get another pastor. If your pastor had ever, now, and I'm not talking about it's negative all the time or judgmental or pharisaical, but if all your pastor ever preaches is a positive gospel, if the word repent, sin, and identifying what the Bible says is sin, challenge you to be holy as he is holy, if those words are never used, it's not a biblical church. I don't preach the way I preach because I want to. I wished everybody loved me. Christians love me. Unchristians don't. Because Jesus loves me, and if you're following Jesus, you love me. Well, I didn't like what you said. I didn't say I was lovable. I'm not confused. That's why my pastor was praying before I preached about what I was going to say. He heard the last sermon. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Jacob is still not right. And you know the story how he, he, he saw 
Rachel. And he said, that's the woman I want. She's, she's a good-looking woman. I'm going to chase her down. And he works for Lebanon. And after seven years, he wakes up with Leah. The Bible says Leah had weak eyes. I don't know what that means, but he wasn't attracted to Leah. So he had to work, and he gets Now he's got Rachel and Leah. The, the, sister wives is not something you found on TV. It's in the Bible. Nothing, nothing the TV does isn't found in the Bible. It's found in there. The sister wives are found in the Bible. And then he has both their concubines, so he has 12 children by four different women. How many of you know that's messed up? But in Genesis 32, he has another experience with God. And he moves from a transitional relationship with God to transformational. And God says, now I'm going to do something for you that I've always planned on doing. I'm going to take you back to the potter's wheel. I'm going to bend you back down. I'm going to make you to what you should have been in the first place. And I'm going to call your name Israel, which means the Lord let God prevail. Let God. In other words, I'm not in transaction with God. I'm surrendered. God is in charge. And when he became surrendered, God said, you know all them kids you got that are feral? I'm going to make those boys the 12 tribes of Israel. I'm going to take your mess, and I'm going to make it an incredible, beautiful, more valuable family. Job was broken for righteousness. Jacob was broken for wretchedness. How about Joseph, the dreamer? Broken for being a dreamer and broken for jealousy. People were jealous of him. The Bible says in Genesis 35, then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. What is it that we don't understand that our God-sized dream will never fit in a man-sized imagination? We share our dreams with people that can't handle our dreams. You say, well, you know, I thought they were for me. Listen to me. Not everybody is with you is for you. Judas was with Jesus for three and a half years, but he ended up not for Jesus. So well, the enemy's after me. He's not after you. He's after what God put in you. He's after that gifting. He's after that anointing. He's after that grace. He's after that mercy. He's after that dream. He's after what God put in you. So, well, Mario, you don't understand. They tried to bury me. That's good. No seed ever discovers its potential until it's buried. You will discover that darkness will not define you. It will refine you if you will learn to grow in the darkness. Joseph's brothers betrayed him. Can you imagine? He's, he's brought them the meal. He's set the table. He's cooked the steak. He's laid all the silverware out, and they're going to kill him. They put him in a pit, and he can hear them up there eating, and you can hear his little voice, Hey, hey, guys. Hey, there could, I'm hungry. Is there any water? You say, Mario, I've been betrayed. You hadn't been betrayed until you set the table, cook the meal, and give them the knife to eat with, and they use that knife to stab you in the back. Joseph's then sold into slavery, and he goes to Potiphar's house, and God raised him up, and he has favor. But Potiphar's wife was so enamored with his looks she would call the other royal women, and they would have Joseph come in, and they would just look at him like he was a Chippendale dancer. Just a bunch of women. He had to go to work for the man that was married to the cougar of Cairo. 
And she surrounded him with desperate pyramid wives. Joseph is persecuted. And he, now she tries to rape him and says, he tried to rape me. And he goes to prison. But God still had a plan. See, God is in this. God's moving him in the direction of the dream. And he goes to the king's prison. He could have gone to any prison, but the Bible says he goes to the king's prison, and there the jailer put him in charge. I think that's awesome. When I went to prison, I started out in the cotton field. When people talk to me about farm work, I think, you don't even know what farm work is. You ain't been hit with a whip, had the dogs chase you or the horse bite you. Work from sunup to sundown with your hands bleeding and your back busted. Before it was over with, I became the pharmacist for the prison. I got to pass out the drugs. That's what I was doing before I got saved. It was a, but these times, it was legal. It was aspirin and tetracycline. I mean, I'm thinking, who takes a drug addict and makes them the pharmacist? I mean, yeah. But you know what? It was in an air-conditioned room. And I was learning things. Even though there was lid, God raised me up to the best job in the prison. And that's what God did for Joseph. And then the cupbearer and the baker, they both have dreams. And Joseph interprets their dreams because he's still in the Spirit. He's still in the Spirit. He had a victor's mentality, not a victim's. He didn't complain, he conquered and he interpreted the dream, and he says, hey, when you get out, when you get out, don't forget me. And the guy did. He was still in prison two years later because the guy that he got out of prison forgot him. Do not let your life be defined by darkness. The sea's potential is only released in the darkness. Darkness is not going to kill you. It's going to develop you and release the power and the potential that God has put in you. Finally, he gets out. God raises him up to be the second only to Pharaoh. He has the chariot, air horse two. And they said when he went down the street because of his position of royalty, they would tell the people that went in front of him, they told the people, bow down, Joseph is coming by. This boy that was sold to be put in a pit to be killed then sold into slavery, falsely accused and put in prison, is now ruling over things. And then he begins to have children. He, named the, he names the first child Manasseh. Manasseh literally means God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. God has made me forget all. See, some of you can't go forward because you can't let go. I don't think it meant he mentally forgot it, but he stopped living in it. He didn't have a place for bitterness. And his next son was born, was named Ephraim. And he says, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. In other words, this is not where I belong. This is a land of affliction. But in this place, God, because I let go of the past, has made me fruitful where I am in the present. I meet people all the time. You're still talking about what happened to you when you were six years old, 10 years old. I just did my dad's funeral January the 2nd. 
And I talked about the man that I was afraid to go home all my life that after he got saved became a wonderful, loving, tender person. And if you can't let go of the early thought and buy into what God did in that man's life, you're never going to live in victory because you're always going to have a father wound. you got to forget about it. You say, well, you don't know what happened. I, I probably don't. And I probably don't know how bad it was. I probably don't know how horrible it was. I probably don't know how evil it was. But what I do know is if you can stay in that, it will rob you of what God is doing today. You have to let things go. You say, Mario, I'm broken. I'm busted. I'm betrayed. I'm blinded. The, the storms of life have come after me, and my heart's a mess. My mind's a mess. My body's a mess. My, my marriage is a mess. My, my finances are a mess. Okay. Why don't we go back to the potter and say, Lord, here am I. Mold me and make me after your will. You say, well, I don't really, I don't know that I can do that. Let me tell you, you can't if you don't understand what affects the pliability of the clay. Moisture. If you don't have the washing of the water of the Word of God in your mind and the anointing of the Spirit of God, the river of life flowing through your soul, you're not pliable. You've got to go back to that. What I can tell you is I don't care how bad your situation is this morning. I don't care. God can fix it. God can fix it. You know my story. I was in the Dallas County Jail. I committed a horrible murder. I was demon-possessed. The psychiatrist said there was no hope for me. But somebody introduced me to the potter. And then they said, you're not ever going to get out of prison. They're going to take you to court and put you in the electric chair. But... The potter had another plan. And then they said, well, you're not ever going to get out of prison, but the potter opened the door that no man could shut. You're not ever, you know, who's going to marry you? Well, a beautiful little Christian lady. And God restored all the years the enemy had taken out of my life. God has opened doors for me. You said, how did you get there? I didn't get there with talent. I didn't get there with gifting. I didn't get there with personality. I didn't get there with intelligence or IQ or education. I got there because I got on that potter's wheel. I said, God, not my will, but your will be done. 